How does that make you feel? Fired up. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello and welcome to Fire Up's Bumper Origin 1 and Crackdown 5 edition. I'm Dennis Carnahan here with Chris Gale. Yes. And Redfern Pat at the controls, temporarily promoted to be in Batuta Studio 3B after the flooding in Studios 4 and 5. But just like Kenty and I can said at the start there, I'm fired up. After last week being in a malaise from taking my AstraZeneca 5G compliance shot, I've got my mojo back! And I'm not alone, the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart AM. Just let that sink in. Ricky Stewart AM has claimed that the Raiders have their mojo back! And they're in equal eighth place, only being held out of eighth on percentages. Meantime, T-Baz's Bulldogs have brought in some brain power from across the ditch to unleash their mojo on a hapless Dragons team being torn apart by players being told they're unloved and unwanted and by their own general ineptness. The Bulldogs have gone from stone motherless last to equal last on percentages with the rudderless Broncos. They're seriously considering changing their name back to The Berries. Then they'd be ahead of the Broncos in the alphabet. But... It's Crackdown Week 5. We've been searching for the truth behind the crackdown and it's not been easy to find, but this week it may have revealed itself. We wondered if it was merely a fictional battle between Volandis and Gus, between Kenty and Buzz, between the Volandites and the anti-Volandites, or maybe even with Rugby League and the government. But in a week, it's a week where more commentators have rushed to declare themselves not a doctor than ever before. It's a week where Boyd Cordner gave the most magnificent, magnanimous, tears of joy retirement speech. You may recall in the original and historic Resumption Day Apollo Plan speech where PVL reminded us that Rugby League has been part of the fabric of Australia for hundreds of years. He reminded us that Rugby League was an escape. It's a fantasy and we all know this to be true. So what is the real enemy of Rugby League, Chris? It's reality. Reality is the opposite of rugby league. It's the enemy of rugby league. And that's why they've had to have the crackdown because reality has come crashing home with all the head knocks. And reality came home hard on a big part of the rugby league world last week. It came crashing down in a dreadful, historic and painful defeat. Chris Gale, take us through this humiliating reality check. Rugby League Dennis Carnahan was knocked off his axis last week with a result that no Rugby League pundit could have possibly predicted and the whole Rugby League community, nay, the world, is in shock. And I refer to, of course, the fact that the North American Rugby League has been postponed until June 20, no. 2022. It's true. There'll be no Portland Loggers versus San Diego Swell to call. I was oh. so much looking forward to it. That's a tragedy. It's a travesty. It's, it's poor old Steve. Is Steve turning in his... Well, he's not in his grave yet. And and also, I think that uh, the Blues beat the Maroons 50 points to six, I heard. Oh, was that in Origin last... Yes, oh, was Origin last 1. Week? Was that last week? Wow. Oh, that was... And what a win it was. Now, there was some... Some marvellous stuff within the... Uh, within the rugby league, with the commentary. Yes. That, that they blooded some new players in the commentary, and we've been... Along Peter Sterling, for example. <laughs> Peter Sterling, and gee, didn't he come shining out with this, a human who actually has a vocabulary beyond 
Oh, wow. And observations beyond the absolute obvious mundanity on the field. I mean, let's can we can we discuss the greatest and most evil player ever to play the game, Cameron Smith. Now, when when they were when the Maroons were going down, what did Cam have to say? And as for the Queensland as well, they just need to fix up their defense. We need to tighten up that ruck, slow the play of the ball down. That's the revelation of what Cam Smith does. Slow the play the ball down. That's the Smith solution for everything. I mean, now that he's retired, and I think we can confirm that he is retired, he's revealing for everybody to see the blueprint to the success that he brought for the Melbourne Storms and the Queensland Maroons low though many low many years. What's interesting is that's exactly the same advice he gives his kids slow every year the as they start out on the school year. You've got to slow the ruck down, you know, clean up the, <laughs> the tackle, that sort of deal. So he'd, he'd have to be an anti-Volandite. Yeah, he'd be totally anti-Volandite. And his retirement is no coincidence. He's, he's retired at the same time as Volandis is trying to speed the ruck up. That's what's pushed Cam when, Smith out yeah, of the game. That's right. I mean, Smith was, for all intent and purposes, going to go around again in 2021 until he looked at the data. He's one of the people who looks at the data in terms of the impact of the rules that were introduced last year by PVL, the horseman, as we like to refer to him. And he says, you know what? This is not the game I grew up playing and the game that I love. So he walked away. And by walking away, he's certainly, I think he's taken the Maroons' DNA with them. And Paul Green, he'll hopefully get that audio because that's the blueprint the Maroons need in order to get back on course. Slow down the ruck. If we're not going to get the loggers versus the swell, we at least want some, do we want a decent game in Origin too? Actually, no, I'd like another 50 to 6 <laughs> logging to be honest. And he also, he gave some some rare insight into the mind of a great analyst. And I believe, can we, can we have, what did he say here? Yeah, thanks, fellas. Obviously, it's uh, not an ideal scoreline for the Queenslanders, but now these remaining 14 and a half minutes, it's all about pride and what they believe in that maroon jersey that they're wearing on their back tonight. Now, this game's gone. We've seen some great comebacks by the Maroons in the past, but I think it's a little bit out of reach. They need to be looking for game two now and savouring a bit of pride. Try not to let the Blues cross the line anymore. What amazing analysis. The score then was 44 to 6. <laughs> I and, think this one's gone, Cam. And I mean, And I think he, when he heard the words coming out of his lips initially that the game was gone, he goes, no, I can't say that. And he actually self-corrected within the same administration on the game saying, well, I think it's gone. I think and, it's gone. If and, I, maybe if I was out there, I could slow it down enough that we could score 42 and, unanswered points. And let me, let me tell you, if someone ever does at some future opportunity get to do a sort of a uh, I don't know what you'd describe it an examination of the Smith brain <laughs> the ability to maintain optimism and see opportunities at a 44 to 6 scoreline is probably what will make him an immortal I would say among many other things now amongst the game Obviously, stuff happened on the field and tries were scored, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yada, yada. Yes. That's been well documented. Yeah, people running a, a, a movement without the ball, Dennis. And can I say, by the way, I know you want my expert insight. Do you on, have expert insight? Yeah. Do you on, have inside information? I do. And, and this is just something for everybody. And if you've got an opportunity, either you know, get your phone out uh, and put it on record or old school pen and paper. The key to the Blues' victory last week was it turns out that at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, to give its correct name, it was a fast, dry track. A fast, dry track. How about that? Wow. So does that mean you'd be expecting that uh, the Queensland groundkeeper at Lang Park is going to be hosing it down all for the next two weeks? It'll be an absolute swamp. And that'll allow Cam's 
ethos that they can just slow down the ruck. They can just lie down, get lost in the mud. I mean, I fixate too much on this stuff, but I mean, I watch a lot of these uh, so-called experts and pundits sort of pontificate on the game and the number of people both pre, during and post the game, you can almost see them if you're only listening to them, if you couldn't see them, just sort of sit back, fold their arms and go, you know what? Fast, dry track. Fast, dry track. And everyone's pointed out that it was four degrees and absolutely bucketing down in Melbourne. Well, let me tell you, Queensland will be trying to uh, conjure up a, a storms-like storm for Suncor Stadium in the standalone round. And Anastasia will be ordering time. one. Oh, goodness me. Now, you mentioned there the experts in the game and how many there were. Now, Buzz claims, Buzz, Buzz Rothfield, an, an, an expert, he claims there's 15 on the books at Channel 9, 15 commentators involved, except, except yes. on Origin Night, there was only 14. Mm. Now, we had the story last week that it appeared that Fatty and Gus had been dumped from the coverage. They weren't going to go up to Townsville. No. But Gus, th- there was such a backlash, such an outcry, and they and, – and, Obviously, Channel 9 listens to the Fire Up podcast and we're like, oh, we can't do without Gus. It's not Origin without the Santa Claus of Origin. So they brought him in for the preamble. I'd like to take credit for this, but in fact, this was a victory. It's my credit. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) You've done nothing for the game. Uh, It's a victory for the RLCA. The Rugby League Commentators Association. That's right. They say, come on, you're not going to deny employment opportunities to a couple of our long-term members. They're unionised. Yes, but... The, uh, the courtesy was not extended to uh, all the members of the uh, commentators. No, because Fatty did turn up in Townsville. I believe yes. he paid for his own ticket. He, he was just, on the desk. He just happened to post. be there. He was at the desk and, and he's looking well. It's great to see Fatty there. And, and again, Sturlo there with some words of more than one syllable that he's using. But Aaron Molan. No, Aaron was not uh, part of the coverage. There are theories behind this. What are the theories? Well, there's one. There's one that her and the great Joey Johns don't really see eye to eye on many issues. And now, this is this is goes back to a couple of years, does it? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, that, I think there was some when the uh, Matty Johns Late Show was uh, soaring into its ascendancy, and the post match stuff on Channel Nine, you know, the death rows of the Footy Show, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, weren't doing so well. I think that there was a little bit of um, disagreement, but that's all right. I don't. In a way, I think that they're probably building to something here, as you know. I have a bit to do with professional wrestling, and I can see right. Molan v. Johns becoming, you know... A big but, deal. Well, if it's a dead rubber, and God hope it is a dead rubber, they need something to create interest, and they'll just channel on and just pump Aaron and Joey on the coverage together. So this wasn't... You sure? Because the last week we discussed, it might have been part of the rotation policy. So she's being rotated out, rested, because well, so, she's got those stress fractures in her foot, yeah, lower the, back. Yeah, but the rotation policy's been made a mockery of by the <laughs> appearance of Fatty and Gus, and... I think people were really uh, great to see the Gus um, preamble, you know, restored to its former glory. Oh. But I tell you what, you know, when when I look at Gus Gould and and the way that he reflects on the game, it makes me think of my own family, <laughs> and and to be guided in almost like he's to me, I feel like Gus is a is a father figure, and it reminds me of something that my father once said to me. Uh, he told me a story, Dennis. Uh huh. The son asked, "Is it possible?" He asked his father, is it possible for a man to still be considered brave when on the inside he is truly afraid? To which his father replied, when you're truly afraid, that is the only time a man can be brave. And that's what you'll see tonight. And those words have you know, guided me all the way throughout my life. And fortunately, Gus did give them attribution as he basically ripped half his speech out of Game of Thrones. Who knew he was um, a fantasy novel fan? Uh, I'm pretty sure that that was actually Rudyard Kipling. In the, in the 19th century. Is that, that right? That wrote that one. 
So, you, so, so you're saying that he's got the ad- – now this is I – mean, we'll come back to this in Redfern Pat's feedback segment, but I mean – Gus's cultural influences, they're getting mixed up. Is he nicking, Kip, nicking Kipling? Look, honestly, or, late or, 1800s... Or George Martin nicking George, Kipling? George, he's, he's stealing Kipling. Right. I think what you'll find is that Gus Gould and Kipling, they were mates. Right. Back in the in the late 19th century. This is as Gus was inventing rugby league. Him and Rudyard were having a lot of chats about the Boy Scout movement and about the Jungle Book and about... And that's why Boy we league. have, you know, the big... The, the Panthers... Like the, there was a panther in the book, of course. Uh, there was the tiger, Shere Khan. Yeah, Shere Khan, uh, Ka the snake, and was a Bagheera, I think. Was Bagheera was the bear? Hello, no, no, no. Baloo was the bear. Baloo was Bagheera the bear. Bagheera was the panther. Was the panther. Right. You've got this. This was Gus inventing rugby league with Rudyard Kipling in the Jungle Book. By the way, there's a dinner party right there. Gus Gould, Rudyard Kipling, <laughs> George, ah, 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 Martin, and Willie Nelson. So let's let's leave Willie for later because I understand we have some fantastic new data on that. But back onto the game, onto the field. Now this has all happened in crackdown round, and there were concerns about whether uh, what, what how the crackdown was going to affect the game. And there was there was a penalty given, and there was a little brouhaha, and in came. Luau, as uh, Fatty as Fatty called <laughs> yeah, him. Fatty called him Luau. Luau, the Luau came running in to have a bit of a remonstration with the referee. You've got the penalty. You come in causing trouble. I will not hesitate. You've seen his eyes. It was all for him, bro. You're on notice. <laughs> You've seen his eyes. They were all for him, bro. He's called Sutton, bro. And I think people were surprised that uh, Jerry didn't <coughs> react. But let's face it, Jerry's not exactly street. So I don't think he has any idea how Luai was addressing him. So therefore, he could take no offence. He could take no offence because he was just on message. It was a great day for Luau, though. Not only to be misnamed by Fatty Vorton, who shouldn't have been there until the LCA intervened, uh, plus my my involvement. But you know, I don't want to talk myself up. But we got that opening quote about Ben Iken being fired up, and he was responding to a photo of Jerome Luai lauding it over a confused and beaten Felice Kafusi. Now, see, I saw that photo. I actually, you know, looked at it and thought, oh, it's, it's Muhammad Ali. He's looking down. <laughs> Sonny Liston. And it's Sonny Liston on the ground. But no, it wasn't. It was it was Jerome Luai. <laughs> wow. That's absolutely amazing. So, I mean, there was some con- consternation and concern about the combination Cleary-Luai. Would Luai be too raw for origin? I think Ben Iken was at the front and centre of those allegations. Mm. And he's had to eat his... Uh, well... Turns out that he doesn't eat sauce, by the way. Doesn't eat sauce. So we're sort of talking about, you know, what are you going to put on your hot dog there, Ben? He goes, no sauce, too much sugar. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a lean man. But Jerry Jerry Sutton, he did just play on. He did take the bra mm. and Twitter was offended by it, but he was okay with it. But Jerry, his actual bra, Bernie. Yes. Bernie, it turns out Bernie is in the Queensland camp. Now, Bernie, until the horse took over, and hasn't the horse been magnificent? Friend of the show, Jared Maxwell. and, and uh, As opposed to the horseman, Peter Valanzi. As opposed to the horseman, Peter Valanzi, who doesn't like the show at all. But uh, horse, gee, it'd be great to get him on here. I can't see it happening, but I love the horse. What about and, a show with the horse and the horseman? He knows I, he's, of people that I'm fans of, he's my number two. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and, and he knows it. But, but anyway, he's... Bernie was in the Queensland camp, like literally in the camp. And there's a photo of him in the Telegraph wearing his Queensland Maroons outfit. Shouldn't it be resort? I mean, they keep referring to the 
origin camps, but they're not really camps. I mean, uh, origin bunker. They're five star star resorts, aren't they? Well, I, I think compound. Call it, I'd accept compound. You'd probably call it quarantine station because obviously well, yeah. you know that there's going to be a disease go through there. <laughs> it happens every year. It's part of the narrative. But apparently, apparently they'd edited out his wife and child who are also in Queensland. And this is interesting because they're from Coonabarabran, which is, a, which is well, traditionally on the map, it's part of New South Wales. But there's been so many allegations that Jerry himself is a Queensland fan. And the Wikipedia post the very next day on uh, Jerry Sutton, if I can just find where it was, I'll read it out. It said, Jerry Sutton, this is from Wikipedia, is an Australian rugby league referee from Coonabarabran, New South Wales, Australia. Jared Sutton played 18th man for Queensland, <laughs> trying his best to keep them in the game with timely six again calls, but still Queensland refused to give him a jersey. Now that's been that's since been corrected back to this boring Sutton made his NRL debut in 2009. He's controlled city country games, blah, yes, isn't he? Yes. Uh, and all. Yeah, just boring. So someone at all it says now, Jared Sutton's Australian rugby league referee from Coonabarabra, New South Wales, Australia. Full stop. End of opening paragraph. But this is the skullduggery of the Queenslanders because it was not declared. And I believe that the NRL said they were genuinely surprised. And let me tell you, they've been surprised a lot. If <laughs> if by no other reason that the fact that the bunker failed to put Kyle Felt in the bin, at least for the capricious attack on Cameron Murray's head. But that's another story. Uh, whereas New South Wales have nailed their colours to the mask. And repeatedly we would cut to see Freddie in the coach's box, who was clearly on the beta blockers. He was, he was very relaxed. He was refusing to get excited. The badge was up the back. And the badge is doing double time because he's also working for the West Tigers. Mm, but but the, he was our referee's consultant, proudly regaled in blue. But he's he's out he's out as a blue. Oh, he's out, he's, baby. And, and he's, not, he's no longer associated with the referees. Correct. Is Bernard? Has Bernard gone? I don't know. I thought Bernard was still involved. In an administrative role. In an administrative role. But it's, a, uh, it's, it's uncomfortable making. And, and let me just tell you, in terms of his wife and kids, they asked to be edited out of the photo. They don't, they don't <laughs> want be, any part of this. In fact, be. there's been a lot of... There's been The Sutton family Christmas this year, and we are actually in negotiations to do, as we explore, uh, broaden our footprint in Fire Up, we want to sort of do a sort of like a Fire Up network and make some original content. Mm. And At Home with the Suttons is certainly a sitcom that's on the drawing board. Yeah. And you can imagine just opening up with a really, really tense Christmas lunch around... You know, the involvement of um, uh, Bernie in this particular way. There'd be some dry humour in the Sutton household over Christmas. What would they all get? They'd all get like variations of whistles, right? Yeah. There'd be the sort of the ones where you drink the straw and it makes the whistle sound and the whoop and all that sort of thing. And they would be a whiz whistle. They they would be endlessly entertained by that in the same way that when the Penn family get together (laughs) and count up their minions, it's novelty pens. You know, who can outpen the other? You got the four colour bick with the oh. green, the red, the blue, and the black. Didn't you love those oh, pens? I've still got one. Oh, yeah. I, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I did notice that like, you said that Freddie was on the beta blockers mm. in his headphones. While Was it 1 4 the players were listening to as they came in? Well, you know, the, there's a, an odd mixture between there's a little bit of a swaging of some of the veteran players that the, the Penrith boys will allow a little bit on the JBL boombox of a bit of country music occasionally. But they're basically jumping to the highly publicised boys to men to current drill rap sensation 1-4. Nice. Because in in his headphones, Brad Fittler, he had the six again bell. (laughs) Dung, dung. Rock infringement. Dung, dung. Ten metres. That's it. And that's why he was so chilled. Whereas next door, you could see it. And it wasn't wonderful to see Luke Lewis. He was going off in the background. Luke Lewis and Andrew Moore from the ABC. Ah! They were just going nuts. Whereas Freddie sat there, very chilled. Did they fly you to Townsville? No, 
No, they didn't fly me to Townsville. Yeah, okay. I was quite happy. I had some people over. Oh, really? And uh, put, I, up, put, up, put up the big screen. I, I guess I was. <laughs> I guess I was busy. Well, you were busy. I was. You actually. were busy. Put up the big screen. Put a big vat of chili and corn chips, and oh, it was it was a great night. Um, Did you get the green jerseys out, even though it was an Origin game? Look, I I didn't get the. Obviously, there's a few frames. <laughs> lurking around the place. Um, I did order some macarons. Mm. <laughs> no one to be surprised. The blueberry macarons, they're the top weight. They're the best. Like the caramel and, and cream, whew, they're good. But the blueberry has just topped them and because very of the acidity. And being the blues. And, and they were blue. So it was a it was a perfect night. Um, now, on the back on the field, Turbo, Tommy Turbo was a revelation. And, and he was playing... They played inside and outside centre between him and that Latrell. boy, Latrell. Thank you, him and that boy. Steady. <laughs> and it was just, it was, they had like a 5 8 a half passing to a 5 8 to an inside centre to an outside centre. <laughs> it was carrying 7 6 5 4. It was, oh, sorry, 7 6 3 4. Now, oh. I mean, we're now familiar with the rugby league video games, obviously. Bossy yep. doing the call, but like I can go back. I do have Bossy's Frank, in like have a wheelie bin. Frank Hyde's test match, mm-hmm. which was with the cardboard upright players. Uh, yep, on the sort of the vinyl fold-out field, which was never actually level, so it was very hard for the players to stay upright. Yep, it was a John Sands endeavour. It needed a bit of tweaking, but I actually had a thing called the rugby league premiership game. Ooh, and it was a green cardboard field in squares, and the players were all squares, and you had various rules. But when you had a scrum, Dennis, yep. you lined up half, five-eighth, inside centre, outside centre, right or left wing. And so there was the open wing and the blind wing. Yeah. And was there anything wrong with that? Well, Freddie Fritler proved, has proved, no, there was nothing wrong That's with that. beautiful. And, and Tommy I'll, Turbo and was a picture. He and was an I'll essay. Bet you, I'll bet you in your game, if you look from behind your team, you've got one, you go out to the right, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, sorry, five's out, out to the side. And then the lock has the sensible number eight because the lock is next to the halfback. The and in was. front of him is nine and ten in the second yes, row. And in front of them is 11, 12, 12 13, 13, the hooker being 12. Why would you change it? It's the incursion of the bloody Northern Hemisphere. They're Absolutely ruined it. They, the problem with Super League, the English Super League, is they don't know maths. They don't have Gus explaining how it works. They don't have Benny Eichen doing his maths. They don't have the most evil man in rugby league doing his maths. But we'll get on to maths later because we need to go exploring... Because we discovered that Turbo, who he really did, he turned the game. And what did we find out about him? Well, it's frightening Tom Chabroyevich. We know the injury dramas he's had with his hamstring. He has just been on another planet tonight. On another planet. He was on another planet. Well, I guess what we're seeing here, and by the way, in the rugby league premiership game, it was when there were 12 Sydney clubs. It was that era, so it was like the 70s. And I played an entire season amongst myself. (laughs) Balmain won the comp. Um... (laughs) That that what we're building here <laughs> is a galactic array of an alternative rugby league solar system. We've already established there's planet Gus in Planet Gus one, no, and you have to be an astronaut to get there. Got to be and an there's astronaut only one astronaut. There. Planet Travoyevich, or to give it its uh, true appellation, Planet Turbo. Yep, it has three occupants now. Ooh, it's got Tommy, you yep. know, who Turbo yeah, leads the the deal. Um, hardworking Jake, who wasn't asked to work that hard. As Shane Haas came on. 23 minutes. And piloted uh, with Saifidi up front. Gerbo, I believe they call him. And now, of course, the third Travoyevich. So we... Urbo. At, at last Friday night, we got our second look at the third Travoyevich 
at the Four Pines Park as Manly took on the North Queensland Cowboys. And by the way, I feel so nostalgic for its original name, Lotto Land. <laughs> I find it fascinating that Four Pines Park, there was such a big hoo-ha about it being called Lotto Land. And what a stupid name it was. Like, it's just... Just the most ridiculous name, Lotto Land, Lottery Land, anything could happen. No, nothing happens there. It was dull. Four Pines somehow works. Beautifully. It's a much better name. Well, it is a park. It's the accurate description of it. It is. Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful thing. But we've discovered that he is, in fact, from another planet. Crappy music, Cam, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe what young blokes listen to these days. <laughs> and and it's hard. We, we were remiss in not mentioning the fact that the Veronicas opened up the show and wasn't that divisive. Yeah, Godzilla. <laughs> Let me tell you, they destroyed Queensland Country Back Stadium. The word on the Veronicas, because, you know, people, and they always blow up about the entertainment. No one's ever completely happy, oh, no, are they? Never. Can't but be. the question why the Veronicas... So there's been allegations that the reason the Veronicas got that prime spot in prime time in one of the three most watched television shows in Australia each year, or... If not the world, not according the world, to Ben Iken. No, Benny Elias. Benny Elias. Yeah. The great Benny Elias, who, of course, has reflected on the win in Origin 1 and said the job is only one-third done. Um, now, that depends, I guess, if your job is to win the series or have a, a whitewash, I guess. So he might be right. I think he needs to listen yep. to Life and Times of Gus Gould <laughs> that's right. to get but, his maths. That's right. How do you win an Origin series? Yep. Turns out you win two games. Uh, the Veronicas possibly got the opportunity because they got a bad edit on Celebrity Apprentice Australia, which I'm not watching, but it's pretty hard to get a good edit on that show, <laughs> in my view. And Lord Sugar. I mean, I refuse to watch it because, you know, I'm a Boris guy. Yeah, you know, Mr. Boris. I mean, I just, it's just not the same with Lord Sugar being flown in. Who are they going to get next? Donald Trump? No, he wouldn't do it, would he? Yeah, Shepard's at the next one, I think. And what are the odds of them not playing Hey Geronimo? Yeah, no, they won't. No. But but let, let's get on to more happy things. Ricky Stewart ah, yes. and the Raiders. Now, what did, what did Ricky say? Welcome to Thinking 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. It uh, feels better because I see the smile back on their faces. You know, we spoke about we need we we need a spoonful of uh, that in there now. We needed to play play well tonight to to get that mojo again, to get that feeling again. And um, we haven't um, we haven't gone away. We've just lost a little bit of our a little bit of our. Um, as I say, they're mojo in regards to getting our game on, but it's, it's simple. Thinking 40 with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. A little spoonful of happiness brings back your mojo. Was that because I, I thought he didn't actually specify what the spoonful was of? 
It was a win. It, right. The win brings I, the, a spoonful of win. I think he wind. was very tempted to say concrete and harden up, but then he realizes that's a bit outmoded, that expression. No, it's a spoonful of joy. Ricky's all about joy. Ricky Stewart, AM, it's all about joy well, and community. And can, sp- I, can I say <laughs> congratulations to Ricky for a well-deserved AM and how, how terrific to be put up into that pantheon alongside Peter Credlin at the same time. It's just a, it's just been a terrific week for the Queensland's birth... Queensland. Queen's birthday honours. Well, the Brick with Eyes got there as well. Oh, terrific. So it's a wonderful thing. But happiness didn't go all around. We had Braith was was talking about Kevy and oh, looking boy, at Kevy yeah. and Kevy, there was darkness. Mm. He was... You could just see he was sitting in the room in, in, in the coach's box, arms folded, face... Ashen, and all he was thinking was darkness, earth, brown, death. That was his, that was his face. But at least he gave us the ability to say Carmichael Hunt again. Yeah, after, that, that was a great thing. After four thousand two hundred and seventy-seven days away from the game, which is the longest absence, beating Willie Manu for those who remember Willie, three thousand five hundred and seventy. <laughs> days and a man who was in this very complex last year, the great Paddy Richards and the West Tigers, who was only away for a mere three thousand three thousand and eighty days. Wow! But so he set the record. All this stuff that Kevy's going through just vindicates Peter Sterling, who was smart enough to go. You, you seem to know footy, Peter. You should be a coach. He goes, yeah, but I'm really enjoying my TV job, and yeah. he's just had a he's just had a dream run, Sterling. Yeah. You know, he's in his state of mind. It's positive. He's always upbeat. He's always happy because he's never coached. His knees are worse than yours. True. But he's st- he's very happy. Yeah, he's happy about it because he wh- says, give me bad knees just as long as I never have to suffer the pain that Kevin Walters <laughs> is going through. And when that put- – well, we'll come to it anyway. And, and Braith did note how much happier Kevy was working at Fox last year. Braith has really grown into his own. He's um, cracking one-liners, et cetera, et cetera, because he's been given the hosting gig a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. See, I'm very concerned because I actually watched the Raiders game, and I, I mentioned this last week. I watched, and, and Braith, I, I, maybe it's because he's being juxtaposed against Billy and Cam. Oh, wow. <laughs> 44-6. I don't think they're going to come back now. I think we might have Cooper, lost it. you 40- mean. Cam's on the other network. That's what I'm saying. We're on the other network. Yeah. We've got those. So I've, I've seen yeah. that. And suddenly Braith is making sense. Now I'm wondering again, <laughs> is this because I've had the 4G injection? Or is Braith, is he on the improve? Like Lisa's not a 5G injection. Boy, they'd really get oh, yeah. <laughs> they'd really get into the conspiracy theory there if it was a 5G AstraZeneca. My goodness. That's because I'm over 50. I only get the 4G. I don't get the young people's 5G. <laughs> but on to more horrific things that have happened. And I was at Western Sydney Stadium. Yes. On, what was it, Sunday? I'm sorry, Chris. Sunday afternoon, 4pm. It was an awful, awful thing that happened. A lot Dreadful. of awful things happened there. Uh, your Tigers... Nonetheless, dreadful things happened to them. But what was worse, what was worse was the in-ground DJ. Now, I know I complain about them a lot, Chris. I complain about them and I complain about – well, I don't complain about Rose. I love Rose. But to me, the whole job of an in-ground DJ is because the crowd's a bit down. There's no numbers there. So let's make it a bit of atmosphere. That's why the Roosters have a DJ because there's no one there. They need to have an atmosphere. When you've got 22,000 people at – Western Sydney Stadium, the atmosphere is fantastic and they're loud and they're up and you've got Micah Sivu scoring a... <laughs> he scores a try. Micah Sivu? Micah Sivu and the, the crowd, 22,000, even the Tigers fans going, Sivu, Sivu, and there's this huge chant that reverberates, but the dickhead DJ played fucking Sweet Caroline over the top of it. He drowned out the crowd who were there spontaneously. Spontaneous. The, up at Central Coast Stadium, the Warriors crowd, 
The game's about to kick off. The Warriors crowd who were up there for the Dragon concert, right? they had 10,000 people at Central Coast. It's the biggest crowd the Warriors have had up at Central Coast because the, they put on Dragon before the game. Mark Williams is there singing with Todd Hunter. It was fantastic. And before the game starts, they're about to blow and the crowd has just started a spontaneous harker for the players. The referee and the TV people have gone, stop, like cut the coverage, pull the DJ. The crowd are doing a harker. This is, we want the crowd entertained. They're entertaining themselves. Give them their reins. Let them go, son. And they did. And it was beautiful. Whereas this dickhead... In Western Sydney Stadium, he drowns them out with Sweet Caroline. And the worst thing was, it was the eighth fucking time he played it. All he played was Sweet Caroline. Over, you see the crowd going, "Can someone play something other than Sweet Caroline?" Seriously, it was all the prick played. I was driving me insane. Then the the, the ground announcer has gone, "Oh." Sivo's going to try. Let's start that chant. Sivo, Sivo. And the whole crowd are like, you dick. You drowned us out with fucking sweet Caroline. Now you want us... No, piss off. Turn your mic off, you clown. And your concerns were reflected on the field in the 79th minute, Dennis, when uh, Parramatta had a chance with the final penalty to take a tap restart and score another try, which, of course, Clint Gutherson wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And Gutho goes to his teammate Moses Mitchell's, Mitchell Moses. Moses Mitchell. We're all messing like, yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell Moses. Let's take the quick tap and score a try again because if we do, we might get Sweet Caroline again. <laughs> and Mitchell simply said to Gutho, Gutho, fuck off. <laughs> and it was, you didn't need to be a, an expert at lip sync to, uh, to read what he said. Yes, it was lovely. Um, so let's, let's move on. The crackdown. Well, I'm... I'm concerned about time, Dennis, because we're mm. operating on a limited time budget. Well, today. that's because we're in the in the flashier studio. Yeah. We yeah. get less time. So, they put us in the rubbish one. So, can I suggest that we just put the crackdown to one side? Because let's face it. So you're in Buzz's camp. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> completely. But by the way, there was so much going on last night with Buzz and Kenny debating collision physics. And at one point when they were sort of saying the, the intervention of the bunker and Buzz pointed out that the bunker – and they're saying this discussion about head-high tackles has been going since 1908. And Buzz pointed out that the bunker wasn't around in 1908. Uh, I just simply want to say the crackdown has been a complete failure. They have to go, and go through a massive reset. And that was exemplified by nothing more clear than the Kobe Hetherington send-off in your game. Yep. But, but uh, because time's against us and we've, we need to get to Redfern Pat, can I just quickly reflect on the other big story in the game, and that is, of course, the retirement of Roosters, Blues, and Kangaroo captain Boyd Cordner. Mm -hmm. uh, what an ornament of the game, monument of history, dot, dot, dot. Never hear a bad word said about the bloke. Got the best cleft chin this side of Bartholomew John, former actor in The Young Doctors, <laughs> and Ronald McDonald. But it was a tearful farewell yesterday. Tears of joy. Yeah, tears of joy. And they brought together the Roosters' brethren, some of the greats from the past, and they obviously had a theme because they actually went for the Roosters' bad boys and got them back all together, got the band back together. What, the, the tattooed ones. Yeah, so you had Freddie Fittler, ended up Not drunk outside a police station. With a nice ass, yep. Todd Carney, I haven't got time, <laughs> but basically caught up at Taylor yep. Square on the drink during his Roosters' tenure when he shouldn't have been. So many. Mitchell Pierce, and uh, can we just again say, Bella, we miss you. And the ultimate Roosters bad boy to complete the try. No, it's not the try, but to complete the quartet. Cooper Cronk. Oh, even worse. What a naughty boy he is. All the best, Boyd. Um, but I think as uh, Robbo said in uh, his current views on the crackdown. If it was forceful contact, 
they either go to the bin or they stay on the field, not what was the reaction to the player. Because they'll, you know, you'll get half the players that'll stand up like men and play on and just get on with it, and then you'll get half that'll grab their necks or they'll um, lie down until they get the penalty and then they'll go up. You can't base it on that. So their language shouldn't be around that. It just says to me, Dennis, the rugby league is rugby league is played by some real men. I think what it means they're going to do, as well as having your wrestling coach, they're going to bring in an acting coach. And what the bunker's going to have is a theatre critic to sit there and go, ooh, that was a bit staid, that was a bit hammy. No, that was a bit, that was a bit clumsy. I don't believe that. There is a question, are we not men? We are diva. What's a man now? What's a man mean? Is he rough or is he rugged? Is he cultural and clean? Now it's all changed. It's got to change more. Cause we think it's getting better, but nobody's really sure. And so it goes, go round again. But now and then we wonder who the real men are. Hey, fellas. Oh, Redfern Pat. Redfern Pat, welcome back. Let me tell you a quick story. Please, sure. I was DJing on Friday night. Um, DJing this time of year is tough with the crowd staying away and the, and the temperature. And I get a bit nervous, Dennis, before I, before I play. And I was there all by myself in my, in my own thoughts and I was like, can I do this? You know, I'm scared. Can I do this? And like the first sounds of morning on a, on a cold, dark night, I heard a voice. When you're truly afraid... That's the only time a man can be brave. Were you brave, Pat? That was brave. That's, that's <laughs> what my dad said to me. Well, I trust any wider. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards to you're right. I got the wrong, yes. wrong game. Did call you fine today? No. I call you fine today, Um, I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. So a bit of analysis. During the week, mm-hmm. um, we will start with Ricky. We'll start with Ricky Stewart. Yeah, sure. Start with the low hanging fruit. Lo- In that press conference with that the we top, the top white. <laughs> that Ricky Stewart. A. Ricky Stewart AM. Sorry, high high hanging fruit. Ricky Stewart AM. He had this little nugget about um, about the Raiders and playing well. And that's what good teams do. They play good football. Oh, that's Crawley esque. Oh. Well, there is a Crawley that's been yeah. involved in the Canberra system. That's obviously where so he's it, got it from. It inevitably have an effect on you over time, yeah. wouldn't it? And then moving to the other team struggling is, of course, the Dragons. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think the Dragons' problem is? Well, I think the problem is the coach is talking too deep and they can't understand. You're overthinking what he it, says. mate. You're overthinking it. Just losses that are just absolutely holding them back. But <laughs> dang it, it's, it's dang. losses. Gee, that, so that's it. That's it. It's the losses holding they them back. They just need a spoonful of wind. The wins are fine. The wins are fine. Spoonful of wind to get the yeah. mojo back. But, but you're saying it's like it's pretty easy. You, you cherry pick this stuff. You know he's. You've got to speak all the time. You're going to say some silly things. That's obviously what I do. So let's move to the best. The best of the best. Spud. Spud. You're oh. a man of language. Tell me if you can unpack this. I always think um, coaches in this game, in this Wales Cup, they should be commended. Uh, they've been given different sides, and then they've got to put the jigsaw puzzle together. The jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle meaning the side that all the new pieces fit in uh, make a great, perfect fit. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So he didn't, didn't literally mean a jigsaw. As a metaphor for rugby league team. Yeah. 
and there's different there's different sides with different pieces, and he's got to put them all to fit. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. Isn't that what we call roster management? I believe it is. Well, and hopefully we get Spud on the show. I spoke to him on the weekend. He had his, and we need to get him on the show to talk about. It. He had his first gig. Oh yes, with, with uh, his guitar. Six, six and out. Yeah, with six and out. The um. Interesting, just on the Dragons there, there was uh, you know a lot of concerns that the problems, as Pat's pointed out, you're overthinking it, but Hook seems like an obvious problem. Uh, also, the fact that both Matt Dufty and Corey Norman have been tapped on the shoulder. I think it was Michael Shamus wrote an article of the 10 reasons why the Dragons don't want Matt Dufty next season, but only published five. I mean, he got to number five and said, I can't keep going on. But the real <laughs> did, he life- actually, did he actually write, I can't keep I, going I think, on? I think I, I, cool. I've just been too hard on the bloke. <laughs> or is it possible that, that he just hasn't been to the Benioli or he has been to the, the Benioli School, School of Mathematics? School of Mathematics. So he goes, well, five, that's 10. Well, speaking, <laughs> up. speaking of, do you want to go to the great man? Please. Let's go to the great man. It is the most watched event, without a doubt. Not 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 sporting event. It's the most watched event. One, two, and three in this in this nation, if not around the world. And I tell you what, Dick Pound and the and the crew at the IOC are up in arms. The Euros 2020 is as well, and of course the World Cup football. Whenever it comes around, that uh, they're under direct threat from Origin because more people watch Origin, according to Benny, well, than again, the Olympics. The Benny School of Maths says it's so. Wow. What else you got, Pat? Ooh. I have I have something for you. Go. So, Alan Tricky Stewart, or Christopher Alan Tricky Stewart, the producer, one of the producers involved on the Discipline album for Janet Jackson, and I thought we'd just quickly do a little bit on him because of Ricky Stewart AM. Yep. Uh, so this is Tricky Stewart. Yeah, Tricky Stewart um, has produced many hip-hop, R&B, and pop chart-topping hits, often with The Dream. He has worked. Beyonce's Single Ladies, put a ring on it. Rihanna's Umbrella, The Beebs, Justin Bieber, One Time, Britney Spears' Me Against the Music, and My Father, which is the sequel song, and uh, Nicole Scherzinger's Your Love, and you'll, of course, know Nicole as the lead singer from the... Pussycat Dolls. Thank you very much. Is she the one that had the affair with Mitchell Pierce? Don't think so. There no, was, that was, there was... no, he had a backup dancer. Though, though she was <laughs> at the Board Coydner retirement conference yesterday. <laughs> they all were. <laughs> So we've been talking about the Willie Nelson playing at an yes. Origin game. Yes. So we had a lot of feedback this week. I think there's just one in particular that I want to get to because of time. So we had Stephen Giudice said he's not sure about the year, but he's positive he saw Willie Nelson at the old QE2 stadium. <gasps> wow. And gave us a, a, a primary source, which is the Gurgler, an alternative sports website. And in the A to Z of NRL, in D for defunct NRL clubs and disused grounds... In QE2 Stadium, it mentions that the crowd booed Willie Nelson, so we've got that new bit of information. <laughs> For all the songs he played until his final song on the road again when they cheered. So now it got me to look. Broncos started at QE2 yeah. in 93. Oh, they, yeah, but they, they, they originally started, at, at, I'll say, at Lang Park. At Lang Park, because yeah. it was but Lang Park. this is Park. definitely QE2. So they were at, yeah. at, Lang, at sorry, QE2 in 93, which rules out the 91 tour. So we got the 95, he was actually in Brisbane on the 5th of April when Brisbane Broncos co- took on a, a Gus Gould coach Penrith Panthers side. Uh-huh. Ah, mystery song! On the 10th of April. But you look at the Highwaymen's tour calendar, they're at Flinders Park in Melbourne on the 10th of April. 
I don't know. I need to speak to an eyewitness, and I need a corroborating eyewitness. There's only one. Uh, Terry Ball said he did some uh, digging and, and had a look at Willie Nelson's arrest records and concluded that Gus <laughs> met him in 94 at the backstage at the Grammys, which is possible, <laughs> because I believe uh, Gus was nominated that year for a spoken word thing he'd done. Um, Before Origin. The collected words of Rudyard Kipling. <laughs> <laughs> Were they playing? Were they playing rugby league before the Grammys or after the Grammys? Because because Willie had never seen the game before. It's it's great work. Any other feedback, Pat? I think that's what we've all got. Ty- all the I've actually for right got now. one piece of feedback. On Saturday night, I I texted dear Vonnie, friend of the show, actual friend of the show, Von Sampson, who's been on the show, and I said, <clears throat> "Thank you for giving such a long interview to Sammy Williams. Oh dear, I love him." unashamedly and wasn't it great to see Sammy get such a long interview he looked like he was almost in tears I was in tears and Vonnie's response I love him too green love heart I'm actually looking at Dennis's phone and her response was who is this <laughs> and and Chris's correspondence uh, I, Chris's correspondence on the uh, Facebook page posted a picture of Gus Gould doing that beautiful pre-match address and Ronson Blake said that's not makeup it's an escapee from Matter to Swords <laughs> Todd Slater said the shroud of Super League uh, Violet Dog said, sexiest man in the rugby league. Chuck Blade said, life goals. That's where he wants to be. And Ohm's Law said, so much makeup. And then finally, as I scroll through, as we all scroll through, in relation to the crackdown, Todd Slater has requested that PVL enact, or Mr. Rugby League, as he calls him, enact a crackdown on man buns in the game. <laughs> the introduced virus that denigrates the very fabric of the game. That's Steve well, Ferris territory. Well, mm. if he's going to institute that, he, might, he should also stop Cam... The kicker Munster from kicking. <laughs> Get a Munster. Get a Munster. By the way, that was my defining moment of origin, is when Liam Martin, who would be very hardly done by if he's replaced by Angus Crichton, who did he really score that try against the Gold Coast? Uh, and, and he also gave Jaden Campbell the lair beforehand. I'm in very poor form from Crichton. These self-entitled roosters do not get me started. Uh, the fake emotion there at the Boyd Cordner press conference, it really turned my stomach. But... <laughs> Hey, that a kick in the guts, Cam Munster. <laughs> but when Liam Martin legitimately put pressure on Cameron Munster as he got another ill-advised kick away during Origin 1, and Munster's response was to get up and tackle Martin. And was there any action taken by the bugger? Absolutely none! No. Now I'm fired up and it's time to go, Dennis. All right, well, we've been fired up. I hope your team has a win. If you don't follow League but you follow Fire Up, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lose with that. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Chris. I'm Dennis Carter. We'll see you then. That was no fun at all. Oh, I found out terrible.